0: Hello and welcome to The Social Recruiting Show. I'm Katrina Collier, social recruiting trainer and speaker. Of course, I'm joined by my gorgeous co-host, Audra Knight, employer branding, nerd, genius, and whatever else I'm calling her this week. Not wearing a T-shirt, which is unusual. You've normally got some slogan going on. (laughs) I'm super excited to tackle a kind of tough topic in a way for a lot of us because we don't know how to be PC. But Jane Hatton, sorry, I just mispronounced your name, from Evenbreak, isn't it? Have I got the company name right as well? I'm doing Amazing. well it's friday and we've just had this huge storm so i'm surprised we're even live <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to the show yeah my pleasure good to be here yeah i'm
1: excited to chat but can we start by hearing a little bit of how you got into recruitment and then what you're doing now at even break
2: yeah for sure um recruitment was never kind of an ambition of mine you know i never kind <laughs> of thought oh, man, I, be a recruiter. I mean who does really um Um, my background was more in um, diversity and inclusion and equality and all of those things and I was a diversity trainer in a previous life and I talked to employers about you know diversity across the whole spectrum so race and gender disability sexual orientation the whole thing and when I spoke about disability particularly there'd be two kinds of responses one would be why should I employ a disabled person or they might not say in those words, but you kind of Mm. knew. what meant. Um, And the other one would be slightly more positively. um, uh, We recognize that this is a pool of talent that we should be tapping into, um, but we don't know how to do it. And nobody disabled ever applies. And I kind of thought, Oh, you know, that's bad. Somebody ought to do something about that, you know, and then just carried on life as you do. Um, Then I became disabled um, in 2004. So I'm one of the 83% of disabled people who get disabled as adults. You're not necessarily born with the condition.
0: It's
2: 83%. Yeah, yeah. It's a very high percentage, isn't it? Most of them are born with with impairments. We develop them as adults. And um, so that's a real, you know, look out to employers about looking after their existing staff because 2% of people of working age every year become disabled or acquire a long term health condition. So this is about retention as well. As
0: that's a staggering figure. So sorry guys, we put you in the category of uh, not yet disabled. <laughs> <laughs> There's time. No,
2: God don't, that's dreadful. <laughs> Isn't in fact the end of the world as people tend to think it is of course. It's not a tragedy. It's just a, a way of doing things differently. So I thought you know actually this is a bit more up close and personal now I really ought to do something about this and um, I'd like to take credit for having the idea um, but it wasn't me it was a shareholder of my then diversity training company who was saying um, you know how do I attract disabled candidates and he was doing really well in kind of attracting women into traditional male roles and Uh, people from all sorts of different nationalities and backgrounds. They said, we've got nobody who's visibly disabled or who's ever said they're disabled. It's an interview. What do we have to do? And with my trainer hat on, I kind of gave him a whole load of, you know, 50 different things he could do to attract disabled candidates. And he said, you know, I just don't have time to do all that for that one characteristic. Wouldn't it be good if there was an organisation out there who did this for us? And there was a kind of ding moment.
1: light bulb. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, we could do that so um oh, awesome I'd like to take credit for the name as well but that was his idea also but um ah. so uh, but I, ha- I am taking credit for putting the idea
0: into practice and making it work so absolutely I'm, just the light bulb moment isn't yeah, it, absolutely. It, it takes years of hard work so well done you yeah, so that was good so I listened
2: to the idea and initially thought oh I don't know but actually it made sense so so what we decided to do was to start a job board specifically for disabled candidates. So we would go out, we, well, say we, that's the royal we, I would go out um, and do all the attraction and get disabled candidates kind of into one um, online space, as it were. And then those employers who were saying, we want to tap into this pool, all they'd have to do was put their adverts in front of the, that talent pool that we'd got for them. Um, and so it, we went live in 2011, so we've been going for about seven years now. And it, it works really well because what happens is those companies who want to attract disabled talent haven't got to do all of those very time-consuming things that we do to get to, to do the attraction strategy. They just need to put their adverts in front of that audience. And the candidates say to us, if an employer or a recruiter has paid to put a job, on a job board that's only for disabled people, it makes us feel confident to apply. Mm. And, and what we've discovered is that not only are the candidates confident to apply, they tend also to be more open about their impairments. So mm. that's the whole recruitment process much—you know—someone yeah. turns up and they're autistic and haven't said anything. That mm. can throw the interviewer into a complete flap and not know what to do. But if if someone has said, you know, well, I've got this, I need this adjustment, or
0: you know. Mm. It, whole thing much easier to plan and get ready for
2: um
0: and I so mean, you, we don't do we like we're trying to get a job so we don't want to say anything that's going to get us ruled out yeah. so we don't i mean able-bodied don't and we, we hide stuff
2: well the whole point about the recruitment process is that you emphasize the good points yeah keep quiet about the bits that, that might not you know you might not want them yeah. to know. we can tell them that, three months in yeah like, look, <laughs> a bit later on, that i've got 74 dependents and all that kind of yeah. stuff um, <laughs> in this case often a disabled person might need something to get through the recruitment process itself yeah Disabled people have said to me you know we tend not to apply for jobs unless we are absolutely confident that they're on board with this because Mm. otherwise you just keep knocking your head against the same brick wall Mm. you know it's depressing isn't it every time you apply for a job it's fine until the moment they realize you have an impairment and then you just kind of disregard it altogether
0: Um, It's really interesting because Mark, who has just joined uh, and was on the last time I had a show because we missed last week, um, actually did a video about how depressing the process is full stop and then when you take into it a disability Mm -hmm. on top of it, so just more vulnerability. It's, yeah, it's kind (laughs) of staggering.
2: I think the whole recruitment process is a nightmare for, (laughs) but, you know, if you're disabled, it's just, and we only employ disabled people here. So I can see it from the employer's perspective as well. So there's only nine yeah. of who small Um yeah. only full-time person. But every single one of us has an impairment of some description. Mm. Uh, a, that gives us um, credibility with, well, what well, candidates and with employers. But also it gives us a massive pool of internal intelligence that we can use to make sure that our service is appropriate, you know, and, and works for both employers and for candidates.
0: Good fun. So when you were talking about you have to do more to attract those candidates, like sort of taking it back a step, can you explain more on what that is and why it's hard for companies to do that? Yeah, a bit. You're taking the pain away, I guess, is what yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
2: think I think the reason it's difficult is because. If you think of disabled people, we're such a diverse bunch of people, you know, we'll be different races, different genders, different ages, different disabilities. Different, different, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you could, you know, you might have some um, a young woman of 18 with Down syndrome who's never worked, mm. or you might have a returning veteran from Afghanistan with two limbs mm. that have been blown off, or you might have someone of 50 who's been in business all their lives and had a stroke. You know, mm. those three people have very, very little in common with each other other than their yeah. life- discriminated against in a, in a job situation. Mm. So in order to attract such a diverse range of candidates, we really need a really diverse range of attraction strategies. So we do all sorts of things. We work with universities and colleges and schools so that their disabled students and graduates can know about us. We work with um, charities, so RNIB or you know other charities that work with disabled people and get them ready for work. So we don't do the hands-on support bit with candidates but there are lots of organizations who do do that in sort of employment services and things and we come in kind of at the end when those candidates are ready now to start searching for work Mm. then the problem comes well who's going to employ us because we might now be work ready but we still have the impairment Mm. um so those organizations will point the people they're supporting towards even break because that's where all the jobs are so we write articles for disability journals um we come on Podcasts and things like this. Yeah, good. DWP, we work with, um, you know, all sorts of, of partner organisations. So lots of really good, mostly mm. social enterprises who are working with um, disabled people to get them into employment, but then they struggle to find the employers. So that's...
0: Yeah. Do you think there's more of an... Uh, I certainly noticed this with the vets and stuff, there's more of a need, like, for an education piece for recruiters oh even if the company has a great intent sometimes the recruiters get lost in the process absolutely I think it's
2: interesting because when I talk to employers or recruiters about diversity mm. um, they will say oh yes we're doing this about um black and ethnic minorities and we're doing this around women in boards and particularly the mm. issue with the gender pay gap thing yeah There's a more of emphasis on gender and then you say oh and how about disability and there's kind of a Oh, disability. Well, we might look at that next year. You know, it's kind of at the bottom of the list of priorities. And if you can get them talking about it, it's then kind of, oh, yeah, it's a shame, isn't it, for these people? But we really ought to give them a chance. Oh, oh. Of- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind oh, of. Oh, you
0: just set like a cringe down like you know, like,
2: <laughs> Poor people, we ought to give them a chance. And I'm saying, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with you finding talent that you can't find. And I'm trying to, so it's very much about education. It's very much Mm. about saying to employers, this is a pool of talent you need. You know, everybody in every sector is talking about skill Mm. shortage. I mean, even without mentioning the dreaded B word, Mm. you know, the skill shortages across all sectors. Mm. And actually, there isn't a skill shortage. We have people here with skills and talents that organisations are looking for. Mm. They're just looking in the right place. So for me, really the emphasis is on, we talk about the social model of disability, which is, really saying that the disabled person isn't the problem, the disability isn't the problem, it's the barriers that they face. So yeah. a simple analogy would be the wheelchair isn't the problem, the stairs are. If we mm. remove the stairs, then somebody in a wheelchair wouldn't be disabled, they'd be able yeah. to get around as well as anybody else.
0: So and I think like on a, on a personal note on that, I was dating a double amputee and thankfully he could actually get out of his chair because yes. it was quite extraordinary to me, I'd never as an able-bodied person, I'm sure Audrey feels the same, you don't think about it. And you go up my road and when you get to the end of the road, there is no dish cutter. There is no reason that there's not a dish for people to cross the road, there just isn't. And you're just like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's just one road. And it's like, it's on the constant, the lack of ramps, all of the stuff you're talking about. I had a tiny, tiny taste of that when I broke
1: my leg. It
0: was, wait (laughs) a minute, I
1: can't get places. And it was just a tiny. Bit, but I can't imagine how tricky. No,
2: that's a really important point because if you think most disabled people will face barriers like that every minute of every day. Yeah. Lack of ramps, lack of access, lack of um, accessible transport, you know, getting around, Mm. socializing, you know, going into a pub and finding it's not accessible, all of those things, Mm. whatever the ability could be, sight impairment, could be mental health, could be anything, um, we tend to face barriers. Every day. And so, what disabled people tend to do, and you can't make broad generalizations, but we tend to become quite good at creative problem solving because you're uh, yeah. around doing things that other people just take for granted. Uh, and what right. I say to employers and recruiters is you know, this is a bunch of people who are so diverse, but one of the things we may have in common is that we're constantly facing barriers, whether they're physical barriers or attitudinal barriers or, mm. you know, whatever it might be. And this, these are people who will be good at problem solving, they'll be resilient, resilient. Be at the first sight of a problem. Mm. Um, those are the kind of people you want to employ. So that's right. another you know, for
0: employees. And imagine so. the loyalty as well. If the organisation goes to the trouble to make them feel included and you know, makes the changes required, they're going to be so loyal as well. Yeah, indeed. Um, is
2: this just uh, in Europe or are you in the US as well? We're just in Europe at the moment, or just in the UK at the moment, but um, our plans are in the future, certainly, too, because this issue we discover is in every country. You know, yes. country the UK. And we get candidates because we're an online service. Anybody can see it. We get candidates from all over the world saying, can you get me a job in the UK? Because my own country won't employ people like me. And I just oh. think, actually, <sighs> it shouldn't be having to relocate from your, you know, unless you choose to, but you shouldn't be forced to relocate from where you're, you know, you've been born and brought up. It's more about, let's change that country as well. And, you know, let's make all employers understand that the the business case for employing disabled people. And then, you
0: know, it should be a universal thing, surely. Mm. Yep, interesting, uh, um, like, like you, Audra and I speak a lot, but the only time, I mean, I think probably both of us have ever seen an actually diverse panel at one of these diversity and inclusive panels was the one at SRSC in January, where yeah. they had someone who was, uh, he was, was he blind, wasn't he, Audra? And they had someone interpret, yeah. like, sign, no, yeah, sorry, he was deaf, that's right, and someone was signing. That's the only mm-hmm. time I've ever seen it, and he's in PepsiCo. That's um, yeah, uh, You don't see we're sort of hidden away somewhere in cupboards because we might find the horses, I think <laughs> more exposure. Well, we'll get you more exposure. Speaking of exposure... There is something you have to flash up in front of the screen, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> now seems like the appropriate moment. <laughs> one of the, as I was saying, one of the, the problems I
2: have with employers sometimes yeah. is that they're thinking, oh, it's a shame, you know, we ought to employ disabled people because it's a shame for them. So I wrote this book. Uh, a <laughs> dozen <I just laughs> reasons to employ disabled people. For those who Available on Amazon. Um, Amazon? Yes, on Amazon. Um, <laughs> And the reason I wrote it was um, not to make money from the book, which is just as well, really. Um, but it was more
0: <laughs> the kind of um, one weighed up the part. hours involved in writing it to what and, you actually uh, get <laughs> below the minimum wage.
2: Um, but it's really trying to get the debate around disability and employment changed. So we're not talking about pity or charity or giving somebody a chance. We're talking about talent mm. and access talented people that you might not otherwise be accessing and, and I just got sick of saying the same things over and over again so I've got to write it in the book and give it to people yeah um, I do sell it as well and if you'd like to pay that's great um, but I just think it's it's a, a
0: convers- uh of looking the link up she's got that look like she is <laughs> no oh maybe she's reading the comments sorry or just using my little link depositor because if I'm scared to do it because I'm the main one so I'm scared I'll blow the system up oh, right. <laughs> and suddenly we won't be talking anymore <laughs> well, if you on, you'll find it if you find
2: it on Amazon it's only on the UK version I think so um oh
0: I'll get one for Audra and send it over
2: lovely thank
0: yeah. you so that's kind of um why
2: I wrote it but it it is really with oh. around um, well that was around um, why organizations should be looking, and recruiters should be looking at disabled people because there are skill shortages
0: and there are skills out there which should back the two together. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you think about it. I
1: I thought it was funny at the beginning when you said that we are not disabled because there's so many disabilities that are hidden. Mm. So I think a lot of people assume you're walking around looking fine, that you don't have one. So I wonder if it's harder or maybe it's easier for them to get a job because you don't necessarily see it, but maybe it's harder because you can get through hiding it and then you have to kind of deal with it without... I think I think
2: you know, it, is a case of both. I mean, yeah, you do have the luxury of choice of, about yeah. whether, you, uh, whether you, or you mention that you have a disability or not, but
1: um,
2: in in a, in a sense, it's the same as being gay. You know, people say it's easy for gay people to get jobs because they just don't have to talk about the fact they're gay, you know, if there's prejudice against them. However you then have to almost yeah. lead a double life so you know if in the in the gay analogy you know if, if your colleagues are talking about what did you do at the weekend or are you going on holiday this year or you know whatever mm. it might be, you've constantly got to be thinking I mustn't say you know he or she or uh, you know I, I can't mention who I'm going on holiday with because it's going to start questions and once I'm out I'm at and that's a hell of a big burden, a burden. not be themselves at work
0: and mm. I think it's just
2: People with hidden impairments. So someone who has a mental health condition or dyslexia or diabetes or chronic pain or and in fact most disabled people don't look disabled. Mm. Um, and uh, and I'm sure I, I'm in common with lots of pe- other disabled people, you know, when someone says, Well, you don't look disabled, mm. and they're saying well, either in an accusing way, you know, why mm. you've got a parent? you're not really disabled, or they're doing it in what they think is a complimentary way. Mm. You know, well, you don't look disabled. I'm not ashamed of being
0: disabled, it's fine. Thankfully, in no way, shape or form is my back as bad as yours, but I've had a lower back operation. And every so often, thankfully, it is only every so often, it will get so bad. And it might be, say, I'm standing on the train, and I'm looking at that disabled seat, and I'm like, I really need that seat. Like, I'm about to cry. I'm in so much pain. And Mm. I never ask for it, because I'm like, exactly what you're saying, they're just going to look and go, there's nothing wrong with you, because my pain is hidden. And thankfully, infrequent, but it's, that also takes courage to ask for that seat, because especially London, you kind of get mouthed off at a lot as well, because it's yeah. London, it's a big city. And well, I think for, for people say with autism,
2: that can be really difficult, because a lot of autistic yeah. people have learned how to mask, if you like, their autistic sure. behaviour. Yeah. But hiring as well, because it's almost like one of our um, autistic candidates was explaining to me, it's like someone speaking to you in a foreign language. And then you have to translate it in your mind. Think about what your answer is going to be, and then translate it back to that foreign language. Before you can. That's exhausting, you know, in order to much easier to say to somebody, I'm autistic, and these are the things I need. That's hard for anybody to do. If you're autistic, that's really hard to do. So it's kind of a double, a double whammy. And I think it's hard for, um, you know, a lot of people to say, particularly at the beginning of, you know, when you want the job. If I say now oh, I'm autistic, are they going to immediately freak out because, like, A, they don't know what it means, mm. and even if they don't know what it means, they're going to be frightened of, oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing or they're going to say the wrong thing or we can't cope with it or, you know, easy just to get someone who's not autistic. So it's really do hard. You, I do
0: you think companies have that fear of, of like, uh, can I use the word disabled? Can I use this? Can I? Yeah, do, absolutely. Do you think we need more education? That's like
1: a It is hard to know, like, especially in interviews in the U.S., there's so many rules about what you can ask, but you can't ask, and it it might, I can see why it would be nerve-wracking.
2: Yeah, no, I get that, I get that, and and, um, certainly when I spoke to a lot of employers um, up until fairly recently, and I would say, you know, and they'd say, well, it's not that we don't want to employ disabled people, and you know, there's a but coming at the end of that sentence, (laughs) Um, and in this case, the but was exactly what you just said, you know, but we might get it wrong, we don't know how to support, we might Mm. use the wrong so because you're frightened of all of that, you just avoid the subject altogether, which doesn't bring yeah. us any forward. And actually just another quick plug, that's alongside the job board. You've got, that we You've got to put on, your book up every time you plug. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm not putting the book on this time. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we have a best practice portal for employers. Awesome. Which is an online set of really practical resources and it's made by disabled people and um, employers have doing really good stuff in this area so that when oh, yeah, people really say, oh well you know we would but we're fighting to get a bit wrong that's okay we've got the solution for that so oh, that's cool. and actually that's really been popular we only launched it last April of last year and um, and that's really been popular with people because I think it takes that fear away and there are things on there like there's a an book on disability etiquette so the things about what words can we use these days and yes. sometimes you know, people are too embarrassed to even ask their HR manager or their D&I person, and even they might not know the answer. They might not know. Hmm, do we use the word spastic these days? What words do we use? The, do we use? And, and if it's on there, and then you just go and have a look, yeah. And it just that fear out. And oh, right, those are the right words. And then you just get on with it, and it takes all the, the fear away. So, um, I mean,
0: before you know it, the word disabled will be one of those words.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, <sure> <laughs> I'm looking back on this and saying, oh, my God, can you say, just, you
0: just say, say disabled?
2: Say-? <gasps> And of course, the difference between here and America, because here we would say disabled person. Yeah. We use the social model that the person is disabled by their environment. Yeah. And in America, you say person with disabilities because you prefer the person first. So, also, yeah. it's kind of which language to use in which continent. Yeah. Uh, very much in um, in UK, it's um, about the social model. So, I'm a disabled person. Because I have to lie down and most offices don't have beds. How rude. I'm mean, in serious flow. How hard can <laughs> it be? For goodness sake. We will want everything. When I was first disabled, um, I had a, a height adjustable desk. Yeah. Which was incredibly rare in those days. Yeah, and yeah. incredibly expensive because they're well. <laughs> yeah, like everybody had a, it's, Yeah, everybody has it's comfortable mm-hmm. now. Um, I just wish they'd be common when I needed to buy one, you know, 14 yeah. years. Ago. So um, do you have the bed that goes up?
0: Yeah, so I'm on a bit of an angle here at yeah. the
2: moment.
0: I that loved became... that when I had my back up. So the bed would go up and, of course, all your bedclothes end up at the bottom and you can't get to them and you're just like, okay, now what? It's like,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. like you <laughs> said, that
0: creativity,
1: all the little Come things you never
0: think about, like how am I going to – can't get
2: there – I know, I know. Yeah. And it's things like um I've only been in London for, for just under three years. Mm-hmm. I used to live in the Midlands and um uh, because I can't sit for very long I couldn't drive very far. And the only places I could go out to eat were where they had high like bar type bar height tables, otherwise mm-hmm. like it's too low. And um there were three places I could get to and one I can't remember what chains they were, but they weren't, you know, particularly great places, hub mm-hmm. chains. And then I moved to London and everywhere has them. You can go anywhere and there will be somewhere with high tables, you know, pubs, bars, restaurants.
0: Really? Okay.
2: Oh, I, like bars. I could go to a different restaurant every night and eat at my heart. Um, awesome. It would be great. So actually that's, again, the social model of, of disability. So my disability hasn't changed. My impairment hasn't changed. Mm. But I'm able to do things in
0: London. So it's, um, mm. it's fantastic. We're in the bubble, aren't we? <laughs> so do you want to we got a question? Yeah. After Mark, I have one. I don't want to forget. But
1: let's start with Mark. <laughs> um, there a categorization of disabilities versus jobs, as in what what someone with a T ten spine injury can do and can't do. Oh, yeah. There we are, yeah, Mark. <laughs> Thank
2: you, Mark. you so At thing.
0: least you didn't say C two. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's it.
2: There isn't, is the short answer, because it depends on the person. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. We had, uh, I won't say who it was, but somebody should have known better, a big public sector organisation saying, when you send us candidates, we want to know what their impairment is. <gasps> said, That's illegal. Oh, yeah, it's illegal here too. Yeah. And I said, okay. um, why? And they said, so that we can decide whether they can do the job or not. That's exactly why we don't tell you. So you might get... Ten different people with exactly the same impairment, but they deal with it in different ways, or it's different severity, or um, they've they um, the the way they approach things is completely different. Um, so, for example, you know, some of the, the candidates that we've placed might be um, completely blind, but one will use um, a cane, another one will use a guide dog. One will use Braille, another one might not. You know, somebody who's deaf might use a hearing aid or they might use sign language or they might lip read. So you can't actually say everybody with this impairment can do this job and none of them can do that job. It will really depend on the person themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge danger in saying, you know, I mean, we do. I do it sometimes. I say, you know, people with autism can be really good at repetitive jobs or, or jobs that require a lot of, detail or coding, like coding. I mean, that's the, and although that's a stereotype, it's true for a lot of autistic people, yeah. but it wouldn't be right to say every autistic person is brilliant at maths because that's just not the case. And some are very artistic and some are very creative. So again, you, you know, it's, it's really hard to generalize when you talk about impairments and...
0: Um, I do think what's so nice in the autistic and Asperger's, so my, my um, sorry, randomly I'm gonna say full blood, but because he is my full blood brother, has Asperger's but of course yeah. being diagnosed so if I'm 47 he's 49 so when he was diagnosed at 25 whatever the mass is 24 years ago there wasn't any help no so he doesn't know how to respond to all of the body languages and all that you know the, yeah. the new the, the like if he's, if he's yeah the nuances so if he's talking to me in a on a monologue and a monotone and I'm going like looking at my watch and yawning and carrying on he doesn't pick up on any of it but actually they're taught a lot of that now but yeah. then again, that comes back to the individual and what the individual needs. Oh, definitely. And
2: I, I think there are techniques that you can use to manage. You know, you, you'll have learnt yourself with, with pain, you know, really? alongside the drugs and things. It's about yeah. pacing activities and, you know, doing certain things that will aggravate it or not aggravate it. Yeah. And,
0: must not hoover. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Outsource the hoovering. Or <laughs> well, But, yeah, I know what you mean. Um,
2: so yeah, I do think it's about um, you know fi- finding my daughter. Funnily enough, my eldest daughter teaches autistic children, mm. Um, mm. and she says that for them, you know, every single one is different, obviously. Yeah. Um, but there are some coping mechanisms. There are things that they can do if they get anxious to learn to, you know, calm themselves down or carry something with them that's not like a safety blanket. Sounds really patronising, but that kind of thing yeah something anything that will help and and to you know you, there's nothing wrong with being autistic it's just a different way of thinking and in, in a lot of ways it's a superior way of thinking mm-hmm. but it can cause a lot of them
0: are incredibly smart
2: incredibly oh, so absolutely and and so for a lot of autistic people it, it's about managing the downsides and that might be um you know for for a, a colleague of mine who's who's autistic going to an airport is like his worst nightmare being in mm. london his worst nightmare because it's you know busy lots of stimulation everywhere and it's and, and he panics mm. um you have a candidate who's very autistic who lived in london a lot and and is fine with london because he's used to it but there are other situations he would become anxious in so i think again it's about learning to manage um People learning to manage their own symptoms, and um, and from an employment point of view, enabling people to do that. So, if someone needs to come in late and go home late to miss the rush hour because public transport's useless, um, you know that should just be offered as a as a given. Or someone that should be to-
0: offered anyway.
2: Uh, yeah, it should be. <laughs> I mean, I
0: think offered for everybody because it yeah. makes sense for all of us, doesn't it? Yeah, um, but, but also know, that thing of some people are way better in the morning. Like I'd be way better to go to work really early and leave early because I'm useless once the afternoon hits. So yeah, it's like no, think, uh, staying in bed till about lunchtime and then working till about two in the morning would work. Right. Better. See, so we could just complete a day actually between us. <laughs> Audrey, what was your question? Don't miss it. <laughs> oh,
2: yes, Sorry.
1: Oh, no,
0: you're hungry, I think I it. It's gone. It a really good
1: one. Oh, I got it. Okay. Um. So. For a company that's maybe a little smaller, not some big general company, and they're just starting to think about diversity, you know, this is something we need to start looking at. Like, where do you know where to start? Because like you said, there's so many different ways, different things to look at when it comes to diversity. Is it just about your company, what you need? Or is it about, how do you even know where to start? I think it's actually, I mean, people say to me, it's harder for smaller companies. You know, smaller
2: companies will say to me, it's all right for the big banks and the big global companies They've got all these resources and haven't got them. As a small company ourselves, you know, we've got one full-time person and eight part-time, very part-time people. Um, I mean, I can say with hands on heart that it's so much easier to be flexible when you're small. So what we do, small organisations can do, is you need to look at what is it I need? Um, What skills do I need in this organisation? And then you go out and look for them. And it doesn't matter what kind of body that those skills come in. know in terms of race or gender or disability so um just to give you an example we took on um it turns out we took on three new people recently we were advertising for two and um, i can't remember exactly the wording of the advert but it was something like um i don't care if you went to university or if you did um what university you went to i don't really care what your work history is what i really need you to have are these strengths and in order to, for me to see what those strengths are, I want you to demonstrate to them to me in any way which suits you. So if someone said, oh, I'll come and have a chat with you, fine, we'll do that. Somebody else might send me a video of what they've done. Wow, that's impressive. Somebody else might write a, um, a narrative against the, the strengths that I've talked about. And I don't care because as a recruiter in that situation, I'm recruiting for myself. All I need to know is... Does this person have what it really takes to do this job? And we only advertised the job on even break, of course. Why wouldn't we? Because the only <laughs> people. And, um, and we had 40 applicants um, wow. fairly quickly. And unusually, I think, every single one of those 40 applicants could have done the job. You know, Normally, exactly. when you advertise a job, you might have 200 applicants. But actually, when you've sifted through them, maybe two.
0: Like yeah, two. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not sure about that um any one of those 40 i could easily have given these jobs to and in the end because one of the jobs there were two candidates i could not choose between and i took them both on (laughs) Um, and they are i i'm confident how could i possibly know i'm confident i have got the best employees i could possibly possibly have got Mm. And, and as a small organization what i can do now is having got those three amazing people is look at what skills they have. And as it turns out, one of them um, has done film,
0: Mm -hmm. a
2: film group. Um, That wasn't a requirement of the job at all. It's Mm -hmm. not really relevant to running a job board. But she's going to make us a small video to attract disabled candidates to even break what's not to love. So we've ended up with three amazing people who can not only do the job that I want them to do, Mm -hmm. far better than I could ever have done, But they can also do other things. And then when you get them together, and we're all disabled and we're all over the country, the person I've just described is in Glasgow, um, we have a video team meeting once a week. And when those three amazing minds get together, the magic really happens and it's incredible. Mm. But every small organisation, that's much easier to do. You've got 4,000 people with one job title. It's hard to be that flexible, but each individual person, it's, it's... and, and incredible. I just think you know, small organisations really should be embracing this because they're really missing out if they don't.
0: I agree, mm-hmm. completely. So, what was it about their applications that stood out? Then, did they do something just like uber creative? I mean, I think your approach to it was uber creative in the first mm-hmm. place. But what did they do that made you go, "Oof, them"? Well, they're all very different,
2: of course. Yeah. Which is the beauty of it—they all have different yeah. impairments and different backgrounds. Mm. Um, but their applications. One was really, really enthusiastic. So she phoned me up every other day um, and <laughs> all about what you Dog do. Dog your recruiter. <laughs> Weird, because the first phone call was, I'm not sure I'm disabled enough for this job. Oh, my God, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> amazing. And we both laughed and said, for any other job, you'd be saying, I might be too disabled for this yeah. job. But this sense, I'm not sure I qualify. I might not be disabled <laughs> enough. So we that's hilarious. Me. Fantastic.
0: That's brilliant. Just on that, though, going back to Mark and your video, there's somebody wanting a job, so they call the recruiter because obviously the number one complaint is that recruiters ghost, which they do, which is appalling. Yeah. But do candidates get on the phone and hand them? No. <laughs> no. That's kind of interesting. I love that she did that. Yeah. How, no. how else do you say, like, Jane, hi, 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 here I yeah. am. I'm great. i my granddaughter up in the Midlands, yeah. uh, who
2: was about four days old or something at that point. Yeah. And, um, oh, how great. It, Okay, to talk now, uh, yeah, am I disabled enough for your job? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have
0: my attention.
2: I'm <laughs> enthusiastic, and, uh, you know, her experience was, um, none of the three that I took on have any experience at all in recruitment.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think so that's... They have experience in disability, in, so they yeah, understand the, the person the they're disability. trying to attract.
2: Yeah, so with the values are there straight away. Yeah. Um, the transferable skills that they have so are, are so different and again it's about diversity so two of the new recruits are um, employer engagement managers so they work trying yeah. to get employees even break. the other one that I described earlier on is candidate engagement manager mm. so she's candidates um, and so the two employment engagement mar- uh, managers are so different from each other but so brilliant at what they do it's just you know I just sit back and watch it's amazing mm. so One of them is he describes himself as you know old school salesman. You know I've got a process I go through to do sales, and I make you know email, do my research, uh, make appointments. You know and it's a numbers game, and uh, Mm -hmm. in all the things you hear about sales, and I'm a bit sceptical about that because it's and it really works, and he's so good. (laughs) Um, and the other one the one that was so enthusiastic Cass she is very much more like I am which is more about let's make the relationship first let's get some content out there to establish our credibility you know and and they're both saying all we can learn off each other and I'm saying that's great but please don't stop what you're doing now because actually there isn't just one right way of doing things there are Um, lots of ways of doing things and between them you know we're doing them all and um and again it's about playing to strengths isn't it that you know uh, um, Adam isn't particularly interested in um, social media and writing up case mm. studies, whereas that's what Cassie does really well. So yeah. we've just after I took them on, we've kind of then said, right, let's divvy up the kind of the roles, that, you know, and it works really well, and they're cross helping each other, and it's oh, it's just amazing.
1: Also, the companies they're going for are completely different, so some companies are going to really like that yeah. old school, and some companies are going to be like, no, that's not yeah. for me, and then jump yeah. in. Absolutely,
0: yes. but well, it's because well, well, you're saying that, Jane, and I'm thinking of the like a lot of the recruitment agency approach to market is because we're still both trying to get to HR, aren't we? They're like yeah. gun to the head. You must get on the phone. You must make somebody calls, and you're like, that was never. I could never do that approach. Mine was that relationship approach. So it's like, what you're saying is actually I've worked out what their strengths are, and I let them go do it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't
2: you think every company should do that? Don't you get yeah. yeah. more from that <laughs> Whoever they are, if you find yeah. out what they do that like and let them do it, that it's bound to be a better way of doing things. Yeah,
0: really it's not believe,
2: complicated. <laughs> yeah, I really believe that a lot of good practice that's kind of originated in inclusion and diversity is just good practice. Mm. So a lot of the things that we do, um, you know, I'm I'm a bit against CVs and interviews because mm. they can be very poor for some disabled people who have had a lot of discrimination. Their CVs weren't show how brilliant they are yeah not everybody's good at interviews but actually then you look a bit further interviews aren't very good for anybody in terms of being a predictor of future performance so mm -hmm. So find alternatives to interviews to suit disabled candidates why don't we find alternatives to interviews for everybody? everybody it just it just works I mean one of our candidates um is autistic wants to be a coder and he's really good at coding but he doesn't get jobs because they don't say to him, show me how good a coder you are. They'll invite him to an interview and say, how good mm. a coder are you? And mm. says, That's ridiculous. You know, why don't you give me some coding to do and I'll show you because you don't okay. need me to be good at interviews in this job. You need me to be good at coding
1: mm. well, then, you're Absolutely.
2: Asking me for the wrong skills. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're going to be an interviewer or somebody who, you know, is interviewed a lot, like say, I don't know, somebody in media, for example, mm then you do need to be good at being interviewed. But for the vast majority of jobs, things feel that being interviewed is it kind of part of what you're being assessed for.
0: And if the coder can work remotely and not have to be too much part of a team and stuff like that as well, then also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
2: it's just a case of can they do the job? And an yeah. is always a, way, a good way of finding out if they can do the job. So I'm not saying we should ban interviews altogether, but I think there should be much less emphasis
1: on them in terms of making the decision about who we employ. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of assessments for coding before you even get to a stage, but you're right. If they they pass the assessment and they do great on that, maybe you don't even need the interview.
2: Yeah. It's just a case of what do you need them to do? You know, and I think it's, um, you know, for a lot of our candidates who have learning disabilities, um, often what they're really good at is once they're trained to do a job, Um, and they will do it diligently, properly every time because they'll do it the way they've been trained. Um, But that's not something you can test at interview either. So a work trial can be a much better way, you know, Mm. come in for a day or two, um, and let's see how you respond with customers or let's see how you, you know, And, and things like work trials or tests that are relevant to what the job is going to be, for me, are much quicker and more accurate ways of assessing somebody's suitability for a role.
0: And you think even if you had to pay them for those couple of days, compared to the cost of failed recruitment, which apparently is £8,000 a year, I think, according to CIPD. That's an old figure, so it might have gone up. But you just think...
2: No, it's absolutely right. People will say to me, oh, you know, what you're talking about takes too long. And I said, well, you could do it quickly. You can get the wrong person six months later, you're back to square one, you're doing it all again. And how much does that cost, you know, in terms of lost time? You know, going through the whole recruitment thing again and the whole onboarding thing again. Mm. Actually, it's much better to get the right person first time, even if it takes slightly longer than it would normally have done. And then you've got someone that's going to
1: stay with you and grow with you. Mm. It makes sense. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was always really interesting. Do you have fidget spinners over there? They're yes. Over here. Yes. Um, I read that those were actually originally made for um, children with sensory issues. Yes. So instead of, you know, fidgeting and working, they could just focus on this thing and then they, it would be calmer. But it's hilarious. of just taking over the whole world. It shows we're all have some sensory
0: issues. Right. <laughs> I think we're all on the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And I think the world just pulls us in so many different directions now. It's yes. it's just so hard to concentrate on one thing at a time. Yeah, so. and
1: that's another good point. Either you're disabled
0: or you're not. Yeah. Like maybe I need to change the conversation in that way, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, disability is such a wide spectrum. Mm-hmm. It can be. A lot of people who would meet the definition of disability by our own legislation here wouldn't consider themselves to be disabled. Lots of mm. deaf people don't call themselves disabled. Yeah, Although yeah. By the model of disability, they are disabled. We disable them because we don't all sign. So they're disabled yes. in terms of communicating with everybody. If we all sign, yeah. then they wouldn't be disabled. Um, so sometimes it can be quite hard if you're doing initiatives to help disabled people into work because there will be people, maybe people with, I don't know, dyslexia, undiagnosed, autism, um, diabetes. It's, all well, I'm not disabled, but actually by the yeah. definition, they may will be. Um, mm. you know, so it, it, again, it's about being disabled isn't a tragedy. It isn't an insult. No. It's just a fact, like your height yeah. or your, your hair or, you mm. know, it's... Part of who you are, it doesn't define who you are or what you can mm. do it's just part of who you are, and it impacts on a lot of what you do but you know it's just a characteristic and um you know I think you know I hear people say, Oh, I'm not disabled,
0: and I think, well actually you are, and it's fine it's no shame in being disabled it's just mm. it's I fine. think that comes that comes back to the stigma, doesn't it that that society absolutely yeah. you know I know um Vinessa is still here she did right further back up you know there's a big issue in South Africa that can be yeah. a cultural thing as well you know the cultures that they're probably the ones you were talking about that they want to come and work here yeah
2: no it's absolutely make- and I know my daughter did some uh, voluntary work in India and she was saying you know thank goodness they're not there because it's so hard for disabled people to get jobs because they are seen mm-hmm. as kind of not really part of society no. so i think in the uk we okay. probably are further ahead than some other countries but we have no means to be complacent there's still so much more that we need to do here to make the the whole playing field level really for everybody and and to make it an issue about talent not about you know pity, which is kind of where i started really but um i think employers are i think they're getting a little bit better very slowly mm. and they to realise that this is an issue and one of the things I'm really pleased one of the arguments I used to have not arguments, that's good Tita.
0: That. Um, <laughs> I would I debate. a heated debate, debate. <laughs> I'll, I'll put yeah. it into British for you I'd call it an argument
2: call <laughs> it um, if you spoke to the employer and said yeah. you know well, people. oh well that's not I think you need to do with us because our recruitment agency sort all that out and then you talk to yeah. the recruitment agency oh my God. and they say, well, if the employers aren't asking us to supply disabled candidates, why would we? So yeah. each kind of, you know, it's not my job, it's their job. Mm. And, actually, you know, the, the reality is it's both people's jobs. So the employer should be saying to their agency, we want you to supply us with a diverse range of candidates. And we're happy yeah. to use whatever tools are necessary to do that, you know, whether it's a specialist job board like Evenbreak or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but also recruiters should be saying to their employers um we can get you a much better range of talent wider range of talent if we can provide you with diverse range of candidates mm. so the conversation needs to be going both ways and yeah. both own it and i think you know we're only just beginning to get there but i have we mm-hmm. have talked to some um recruitment agencies recently maybe the slightly more enlightened ones who are saying that you know this is actually um, a selling point for us that we do offer diverse candidates and we don't necessarily just get send along first five CVs that come along but we really do make an effort to make sure that the people that we're putting forward really do have the, the strengths that are needed for that job and it might take a bit longer and it might cost a bit more but as we said before it's much better mm-hmm. than taking on the wrong mm-hmm. yep. yeah,
1: exactly. I um, wonder if a much, much bigger problem in the U.S. because of healthcare costs that the companies pay. And it shouldn't be. It's illegal. But I have a good example. A friend of mine actually really recently was telling me how he hired um, an older employee that had uh, diabetes and a bunch of different health issues. Fantastic employee. The HR person actually came to him and said, in in other words, not so specifically, when you're hiring, you need to think more about our healthcare costs. You know, it's getting really high and this is a problem. And, And actually gave him a I'm talking to the machine. Oh my yes. gosh! And it's oh obviously big, but it's it's another factor over here that's I think different over we there.
2: That
0: that. Have to think yeah. about health.
2: You need I, our NHS, is what you need.
0: Yeah. About struggling, overladen NHS, but at least it's free. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> that model over there, and we need to keep ours over here as well. So that yeah, I work. think we just need to means test ours a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think if the private health insurance was um, better, like we have in Australia, I'm not saying the Australian system's great, but you can afford private health insurance, so therefore people go on the private system, it takes the pressure off the public system, but our private health insurance is so bad here. So we need some kind of balance yeah, for an Then it's just amazing for what they work on.
2: Yeah, and also the other, the other thing to remember, perhaps, is that for most disabled people, health is no different from anybody else. Mm you know there's a there's a fear from employers that disabled people will be off sick all the time and a a lot of evidence suggests that actually disabled people have significantly less time off sick than other employees because we're
0: used to coping with symptoms Mm
1: -hmm. Mm.
0: so we tend to back on anyway i mean surely Um, we just should not hire mothers aren't they off all the time or just seems to be sick (laughs) all the time with her kids (laughs) Uh, so you know the um but most disabled joke, people, by yeah. the way, in case anyone heard that and took offence, like, no joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Caveat. <Can be it. laughs> a friend who was a double amputee, there's no oh. reason why he or she should get um, a cold or a stomach bug any more than anybody yeah. else. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm in chronic pain, but I don't get many colds, touch wood, yeah. I don't get many sickness bugs and things. Mm. So for most disabled people, actually health is, is you know, as, as irrelevant as it is for really? anybody else. But then, of course, there will be people who have kidney disease or have um, Mm. ME or have, you know, other conditions that will need physiotherapy or counselling or whatever. But, you know, we all have that, don't we? As you said, you know, people have caring Mm. responsibilities, people might be doing studying outside of work. We should be making sure that all of our employees feel able to um, accommodate their needs within the workspace. Mm. When they are there, they're going to be very productive and, as you say, very loyal. And And um, it
0: could come on late as well. Yeah. So you could have an employee. So um, my uh, brother-in-law was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at something like 47, 48. That's actually really unheard of. Yeah, yeah. So it, yeah they just missed it, clearly. Um, and that and something else. And it's it had an impact now. But I mean, he could have been an employee of a company for 10 years when that happened. So. Well,
2: as I say, you know, we
0: take... HR department.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as I say, 3% of us became disabled as adults. Yeah. So you employ a large amount of people some of those will become disabled or have long-term health conditions at yeah. some point. So you may as well, you know, you've got to deal with it whether you want to or not really. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you've got someone who's talented that's been with you for a while, you don't want to lose them. You want to keep them, so you can find ways that you can do adjustments and perhaps be a bit more flexible so that you can keep talented people who for some you know, reason then become um, disabled. Yeah, no,
0: definitely. Where do we find that information you were talking about? Is it on yeah, your website? Love it. The one that tells us what we may and may not say. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's you have not to... how you put it. but <laughs> It's uh, the um, best
2: practice portal. So well, that's a subscription model. So employers yeah. pay an annual subscription. Of course. To, um, and then what happens is every single member of, of staff from that organisation can access it. So if they yeah. employ forty eight thousand people, they can all access it if they want to. It's not just for HR. It's for anybody mm-hmm. um, within the well, organisation.
1: Love it.
2: Yeah. So well, the, the yeah. idea is that the whole organisation raises its game and confidence so that it, it starts being something we just talk about, like we talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes a normal part of conversation rather than, oh, my God, I might say the wrong word, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's um, it just should be part of everyday culture within an organisation that we talk about these things. Yeah. And I think it would make
0: people more relaxed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fair. Mm-hmm. I don't think most people are malicious. Yeah. Deliberately want to discriminate. I do think it's a fear of, and we all have fear of the unknown, don't we? You know, if we're talking to yeah. someone and we're not familiar with that, it's kind of oh, I don't know what to say. Or, <laughs> um, yeah.
1: you know, but I how many different places should you put a job then? Because doesn't make it get complicated? <laughs> if, what, sorry? Like how if you are posting a new job and you want every kind of different talent, how many different places do you think you need to post it? It's tricky.
0: Yeah, it's like, just- you put on even break. But then you also put it on? Um, Clearly, only on even break. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are no other it's job different. boards. But then <laughs>
1: second,
2: third and fourth. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, there are a number of specialist job boards around that you can use. There are also some job boards that cover all of the protected characteristics. So, um, but I think the perception of those from, certainly from disabled candidates is it's so broad, mm-hmm. it may as well just cover everybody. It's actually not that different from a mainstream job board. Whereas if you have a job board, the thing that... Um, People love about even break is the fact that we're all disabled ourselves, and that we just focus on that niche area. We don't pretend to be good at everything, um, but of course, because we're good at disability, we also get a very diverse range of disabled candidates. Because disabled candidates come in all different skin colours and mm-hmm. ethnicities and genders well, and, and age. disabilities, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, you would get a, a diverse range of people. But I think it is about there are some groups of people. I think you just have to work a little bit harder to attract. Um, mm. I think certainly disabled people are one of those because they've faced so much discrimination in the past that it's kind of, I'm not going to bother, I'm not going to knock my head against yeah. that, big yeah. what's the point? So um, I think it's about what the priority is for the organisation and there are some really good um, specialist job boards out there to, to attract mm. you know, um, veterans or, or women oh. or women returners or you know, all sorts of different groups, but I think certainly mm. disabled people need to be in that um, you know, if something that your organisation takes seriously, you should certainly still,
0: be not I still think there's a lot of education to be done though, because I still think even when they get the applications to so say they get some in from the vets, they can't necessarily see the transferable skills, even yeah. the able-bodied vets, and yeah, they have no, a huge problem getting in. The recruiters just don't know what to do.
1: That's the problem, oh, yeah. resume. It just depends. That's determining how good
0: you are at writing or marketing yourself. Yeah.
1: Maybe yeah. <laughs>
0: But also, it's, if they're writing in army speak and you're reading it in civvy speak, they don't, uh, you know, there's still, I know in the US there's a lot more education on it than there is here for the recruiters, but here there's just like nothing.
2: But again, That's if we went back one to conference. basics, it should be about what strengths have you got? Yeah. And, and then, you know, some, whoever they are, whether it's a woman returner or a disabled person or yeah. a veteran or whoever it is, if you can say, well, I've got these strengths and I learnt them in this particular environment that they're transferable yeah. then you've just got something to work with whereas if it's just send me a cv it doesn't really tell you very much yeah um, you know and, and again as you say in terms of the language i mean we have we have uh, candidates who have 24 hour care so they might have two or three personal assistants or more who work mm. on a kind system with them um and an employer will think oh my god well if they can't even dress themselves or feed themselves how are they going to do anything for us but the reality is that person has, by definition, they're an employer, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, a, they're a manager, they're managing people. They're yeah. having budgets budget because they're having to budget their direct payments. And then, you know, so somebody in that position, by default, has management skills that are easily transferable to, into the workplace. So it's kind of trying to get employers to look beyond the, you know, what they see in front of them and actually yeah. what skills has this person got and how can that be useful for us, and and I just think, and that's a good principle. I think for any group, you know, yeah. just to people, mm. but just what, what what do we need for this next post to be filled? What do we really need, and, and what kind of person is likely to have that? Mm. To have those, rather yeah. than making you know decisions about we don't want veterans or we don't want women returners because mm. they might have a baby and go on maternity leave, or we don't want somebody. No, disabled. they're sick
0: all <laughs> the time. Remember? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, <we're people laughs> and, oh god, people trip up over the wheelchairs. And, yeah.
0: Also in wheelchairs. To be fair, okay. I have done that actually. <laughs> That's you where you were going. <laughs> it was it was educational. Let's put it that way. I didn't do it again. <laughs> um, just really, really quickly. Um, um. way we have got five minutes left. Um, on next week's show, we have Ashley Bush from Tenable with you, Audra. What are we talking about? Yeah. I can't remember. Marketing, I assume. Recruitment marketing.
1: Yeah, she does employee branding and social media for my team. and we're going to talk about treating the candidate like a consumer oh why they've changed and we need to treat them differently that'll be really cool oh that's so good because actually candidates are treated
2: very badly aren't
0: they it was really funny i got an email earlier and it said from and it like at the end and it was the sales team and it listed every single one of their names it was like eight names and i just went that is just so sweet so when rather than from the sales team and I was just like, yeah, we really should. Why, are we... Why do we do the HR team and the recruitment team? Why don't we just list everybody in the department to a point, obviously? I just thought it was the littlest thing that made me feel really special that I knew who, you know, that it was from this group of people with these names. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> digressing onto me. How rude. <laughs> you
1: have to the US,
0: like now. I think it's so, be so well, everywhere, but I really want to How do we you fly that... you, though? Does it have to be like first class lying mean, down, though? You must get... The yeah, I mean, we have
1: a company. We have to get
0: a US candidate on your...
1: Yeah, yeah but if we want to
0: get her speaking... <laughs> yeah, yeah you just signify that Jettie will be fine. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Or has got one of those parked out the front <laughs> with the deer. <laughs> this would be just so huge in the
2: US though. Hello. It... That's our next... I think that's one of our next targets, to be honest, is to find... Yeah. I'm going to say another me, God forbid, but, you know, another disabled person in in America who would want to do what we do, and then we can social franchise it across. They can use a skin yeah. of our job board. But
1: do you have to have a person in the U.S.? I mean... Well, I suppose not. not
2: no.
0: I don't think you know... No, you're calling up companies and getting and getting the candidates out there. You can use social media. I don't think you need a person. The only time it's challenging is when the West Coast asks for a call at 4 p.m. on their, like, their time, and you have to go, no. <laughs> Yeah. I don't do midnight yeah. thanks though. Oh you're right. That's, that's, <laughs> it does yeah, happen. So that's one you're way right. over there.
2: You're right though. I think we'll start one tomorrow. That's a good idea.
0: We'll do that. Yeah. But also I think maybe if we cuz I mean I know Audrey and I speak a lot in the US so you know we can speak to the conference organizer and beam you in. There's no reason you don't have to physically be in the room.
2: No, in this day not. and age yeah, the technology yeah. anyway. Really.
0: Yeah. Look what we've just <laughs> done now, in, you know, three different locations so and your whole team's remote, isn't it? So. Absolutely, we have our team. I haven't met the three new recruits yet. I've not met any of them. Yeah. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard.
2: And we've yeah, video like together. You know, I, I feel like they're family, and I and like yet we've
1: actually physically met. I love. We will. I love. You. Video. My team. We're all, we always do video calls. We don't do phone calls at all because there's something you feel like you're there. Yeah. yeah. It's it amazing formal and a bit more, I don't know, real I think it's nice. It
0: makes me have to take a shower so that's good. <laughs> you <laughs> you don't have to get dressed first it? So yeah. I'd have to my <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great note to end the show on <laughs> <laughs> I just like to say I've done both showered and got changed. Right, anyway thank you all for being here, thank you Jane so, yeah, so much for that, great. wow I was awed, like there's just so much potential for this so thank you so yeah. much for sharing your expertise I love what you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) Me too. Thank you, everyone, for being here. We shall see you same time this week. Thank you. Bye, Mark. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Thanks, Jane.